0: Everyone, thank you for joining us. You are now tuned in to Trish Chat, a series that promotes meaningful dialogue around identity, culture, and real-life stories. We are your hosts, Steph and Jess, and everything you'll hear in our episodes are based on personal experiences. Make sure to tune in every Monday to hear our latest episodes. Everybody. My name is Steph, and I am here with Jess, and today we have a special guest, <laughs> Anna. Hi, Anna. Hello. Hello. Anna is joining us today to talk about um, allyship towards the differently abled um, and disabled communities, and Anna is my
1: friend slash co-worker.
0: Yeah. Slash
1: sis. Slash sis. sis. the yes. sister in here together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I love it. Um, Jess is not speaking too much because she is semi-sick. I'm sorry. She has a Phoebe Buffet voice. Yeah, it's sexy.
1: But we're going to encourage her to speak, Mm -hmm. even though she doesn't. And sing Smelly Cat.
0: (laughs) I'll (laughs) try. Yeah. Um, So before we start, Anna, do you want to tell us about yourself? Yeah,
1: of course. So as Steph mentioned, my name's Anna. We work together at Google, but a little bit about myself. So my family and I, we moved to the States when I was in elementary school. And we've been here ever since. In general, we moved here for just a life of more opportunity mm-hmm. versus the life we had in Spain, but primarily driven um, by my eldest brother, Felipe mm-hmm. who was born premature with a mild case of cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. And so at the time in in Spain, and still, I mean, Spain's getting better when it comes to disabilities, but at the time, Spain couldn't provide him the medical attention and the educational attention um, that that he could have. Um, and so America was able to provide that for him. And so a big reason for moving here was because of him. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. thrilled that we're talking about ability because it's something that, as Steph mentioned in one of her previous episodes, it's something that I'm still learning how, how to deal with and especially... On this podcast, like I'm here not because I myself am disabled, but because a family member is disabled. So I kind of yeah. want to make sure to emphasize that what I'm saying here is my own perspective, yeah. um, and I hope that people can can acknowledge that. Yeah, for sure. And
0: I appreciate the fact that you are coming in and being a very strong ally to your brother and serving as um, that voice for him. But even just like the way that you provide that allyship where you said, I would love to do this episode. I want to check on the discussion topics with my brother. I want to make sure that my brother is comfortable with everything. Just that sort of um, allyship where you're not necessarily like speaking on his behalf, but more so advocating for him in a, in a very like um, loyal and understanding and compassionate Mm -hmm.
1: way. Yeah, no, that's true. And I think that's, and maybe we can all have a discussion about this, but I think what I would love to to talk about is in terms of something that we can all be better when it comes to the disabled community. And maybe after this, I can give a little bit of background of Mm -hmm. what cerebral palsy is. Yeah, that would be great. Um, But I would love to kind of talk about in terms of how to be more accepting, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to not pitying the disabled community I feel especially when it comes to able-bodied the able-bodied community a lot of times we we use pity which which is not which is not right yeah. um disabled people and maybe I'm going to speak about it in terms of my my brother um he doesn't pity himself so he doesn't want people to pity yeah. him yeah. yeah and I think that's something that is important to recognize um Especially with comments that society makes a lot in terms of, oh, like wow, you should be so proud of him, like the fact that he was able to get to this point, mm-hmm. and kind of like her- making it a heroic moment, which I I find problematic. Yeah, you know, it's coming from a place of of good, but what? And I was looking, I was looking into this online, and I found this term that a psychologist um, coined called inspiration porn. Like, they used the term inspiration porn as a way to, like, exemplify this concept. And I thought it was really interesting. And when I talked to Felipe about doing this podcast, he was like, yeah, Anna, but, like, I don't know what you're going to really talk about. Like, I, I don't want you to say, like, oh, my gosh, like, tell that typical story of, like, oh, you can do it. And mm-hmm. if you can do it, like, look at where I am now. Like, that's that's not what my story is about. Yeah. and I And I thought that was really interesting because you can – as humans, you can see a you can see a situation, and you can have your own assumptions and analyze things differently. And yeah, the fact that he really emphasized, like, "Oh, what do you have to talk about?" Like, I'm like, "Why, why, why do we have to talk about this?" Like, I'm normal. Yeah, and that's something that I I would love to kind of like dig deeper because it's true. Like in my family, we've always treated him as one of us. Yeah, but for some reason, because he's different. A lot of times we may we we're we like oh we treat them like the other and that's not right yeah either yeah <coughs> that's a good call out yeah I think
0: it's very interesting and it it relates to so many things where you make someone the other but in a sense it's it's kind of like a way of dehumanizing them where you make it seem like the expectation for you was so low that the fact that you accomplished that is. Like you are, you are a true example of excellence for like quote unquote your kind. Yeah, and like that is the norm for you know everyone else. Yeah, yeah. And I think people do it with like the the intent of 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 saying like wow, like look at what you're doing. But that is so harmful to do that because you make someone feel like the standards were so low for them, or like they couldn't have accomplished that anyway. And so the fact that they did that is like amazing, even though it's
2: like table stakes for everyone else.
1: Yeah. And I think to add to that something as well, like when it comes to, when I speak about my brother to my friends, for example, his disability is part, like it's, it doesn't define him. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times when you're the other people make the assumption that, what, what, whatever that that thing whatever you're dealing with like that's what defines you and that's not true that's at least for him that's part of his identity it's mm. not it does not define him there's like a distinction between what defines you and what's part of your identity and so a lot of my friends for example they don't know that he's disabled because it's never it's never really come up and yeah. so when I was growing up like I I, I sometimes like I sometimes would disclose it. I sometimes wouldn't. And when I, when I did disclose it, people made false assumptions
2: mm.
1: when you use words like cerebral palsy or disabled. And so for me, I, I kind of got to a point where I was like, look, when it, when it makes sense in the conversation, I will talk about it. Yeah. And if not, like you meet him and you make your own assumptions, but like it would, it would enrage me that people would make false assumptions just because the person is different. hmm and I think we do that across
2: a lot of a things. lot of
1: things, not just the disabled community. Um, but it's something that I've reflected a lot in terms of, like that awareness piece of like, okay, when when do you talk about like his disability to to inform people about mm-hmm. the fact that disability exists, and and when do you not do that to protect him and protect the fact that people are going to misread him. Mm-hmm. And I'm still struggling with that. I'm still figuring it out. It's a fine line, I would think. Yeah. I guess you have to
0: read the situation.
1: And it read, and it made me think of some of the whisper content that Steph has led for for our team in terms of, like using these like labels to describe people. Yeah. Like, for example, like I wouldn't when I'm talking about my brother, I wouldn't say like, oh, he's t- my disabled brother. No, I would be like, oh, Felipe, or my brother. Right. And we talked about this during Whisper Content in terms yeah. of like using those modifiers, like, "Yeah, oh, my gay friend. Well, why do you have to say my gay friend? Or why do you have to say my disabled friend? Right.
0: I think it goes <coughs> back to what you were saying in terms of like, it doesn't define who he is. It's, it's a part yeah. of his identity.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it would be a good if you could, tell the listeners what um cerebral palsy yeah. is
1: so i mean that's a good question cerebral palsy it's a disorder that affects your movement um and it has different forms so again i'm going to talk about it in terms of the kind of cerebral palsy that my brother has mm-hmm. but there's it's a spectrum and it you it manifests itself differently depending on the type of cerebral palsy that you have I see, so for Felipe, his is mild, and it affects like the left side of his body where he has a slight limp, and it affects like his his like left side of his vision, his handwriting on that side, yeah, but again, as I mentioned, it's a spectrum like i I know people who have cerebral palsy, and they're in a wheelchair,, yeah. and they're more confined in terms of their movement, so i his, I'm. I think for the sake of this episode, I'm going to speak about it in terms of his type of cerebral palsy. Yeah. But do want the listeners to know that it, it manifests itself differently depending on the type that you yeah. have. Yeah. What would you say
0: are some of the challenges that your brother faced growing up?
1: Yeah. So in Spain, as I mentioned um, before, we got into like the what is cerebral palsy. So my family's from Spain. Um and so in elementary school, um, he as I, as I also mentioned, he has tr- he's a slow handwriter mm-hmm. and he he doesn't have the most legible handwriting. And so in Spain, um when my parents went in like typical like teacher parent teacher conferences, yeah. you go and talk with the teacher and they said, Hey, like I think Felipe could use some accommodations. Is there any way that we could like help like have someone help him write his notes because in Spain, especially like education is very different in terms of the way you learn. Um, It's very heavily dictated on like the the teacher. It's it's very emphasized on dictation. Like the teacher teaches a lesson and you write everything down. It's versus in the U S sometimes there's a little bit more of analysis and more of like group work and discussion. And like, what do you feel about this? Like what's your perspective there? It's like, this is the professor. This is this is the law, and you're gonna yeah. write everything down and memorize everything. Yeah. So as you can imagine, for someone who doesn't have good handwriting and who who takes more time to to write, yeah. that's difficult. Yeah. The teacher his the response was, oh, but that would make the other children feel feel different because they don't have access to that resource. Wow. And so you think like now like being in the states after being in the states for so long i can't imagine a a a solid teacher saying that but in spain at the time like that 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 was the norm because like the, the classroom is is equal yeah no one has an advantage that someone else doesn't have but that that's a good example of how disability was treated at that time. Yeah. at in that classroom at that school which wasn't long ago. Which yeah. wasn't that long ago. It was probably like 20 years ago. Wow. I had no idea. Which is nuts. Like um and so that's I mean that that's an example of like a challenge that he faced and in in terms of when we moved to the states um he went to different types of school. Like the first the first year we didn't speak English and so we both went to an international school where mm-hmm. we had um, English and Spanish mm-hmm. um, and we alternated in order to get used to yeah. speaking in English and then as time went on he switched schools and went to like a special ed school yeah but throughout his entire childhood middle school high school he always went to like physical therapists vision therapists any type of therapist to help him with, like, his motor skills, his vision skills. Um, so, like, tremendous effort on his part in terms of how much he wanted to just grow and, yeah. like, beat this disability. Um, and so, wanted to emphasize that as well in terms of, like, it's an ongoing challenge. And yeah. he's put in a ton of time and effort yeah. into just learning how to live with it. Yeah. which again, like he, he is coming from a place where he had access to these, um, resources, which is a huge privilege and a lot of people don't. Mm -hmm. And so that's something where I'm still figuring out, like, how how do we, how do we help that community that doesn't have access to those resources and doesn't have access to healthcare? Like that's something that can be so expensive. And yeah, I mean, I know that I just kind of put down Spain and their educational system, but like from a medical perspective, every, like it's universal health care yeah. here. It's not, it's not uh, for yeah. sure. So, I mean, there's, there's trade-offs depending on where you are, but definitely I'm still learning how, like how, how can we help that community, um,
2: considering like medical, medical bills are so high. It's very high. It's
0: great.
1: Yeah.
2: So
0: Felipe graduated college. Yeah. So what's what sort of it, what sort of challenges is he presented with? Um, yeah.
1: So Felipe yeah. went to high school, um, went to college. He transferred to Georgetown, um, and then did his master's at the Foreign Service School in Georgetown.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then after that, he is working at the Spanish Embassy as a political analyst, which he's learning a lot, liking it a lot. But something that, like, in my family, I love, like, helping my brothers when it yeah. comes to, like, cover letters and resumes. And, yeah. like, I think we talked about this recently yeah. where we were – I was, like, reviewing a cover letter with him, and he opened up about his disability in the cover letter. And I was, like, Felipe, like, why are you – like, why are you mentioning, like, your disability? Mm-hmm. I was, like, well, why wouldn't I? Like, I, I – I, I want HR to understand that, like, I'm gonna need a certain number of accommodations because I, I I'd rather be transparent now, yeah, than than later. And I kind of said, well, well, why do you have to like, why do you have to, why do you, why do you have to lay that out now? Like, can't can't that be a conversation that you have later on? So that that's something that I'm still figuring out, like, what what makes sense. But it's kind of enraging to me that you have to like that, that they, that some of the people in the disabled, in the disabled community feel like they need to be outwardly explicit in a cover letter. And then it makes you,
0: I would, I'm assuming that then it makes you wonder if you don't get the job, like, did I get it because I am disabled?
1: Do I require more accommodations and they don't want to spend the time figuring that out?
0: Like, or the resources in terms of getting those accommodations to me that they overlook my skills because all they saw was a disability.
1: And there's a lot of bias associated with that. Yeah. And so that's, that's also where I was coming at it from like, look, I don't know enough in terms of like, like what the stats are, or even at Google, like we always talk about like statistics about diversity and inclusion, but like, I I'd love to see those numbers broken down when it comes to like the, the ability community
2: yeah
1: and maybe like have a discussion with hr like is that something that he should be open about in a cover letter like
0: yeah and then even when you say that cerebral palsy is a spectrum um you know i i had a bias in the sense where every time that i thought about anybody with cerebral palsy you know i would think of the people who are on a wheelchair who like need help with like breathing Mm -hmm. and like swallowing and stuff like that and so i would you know I'm assuming that that is the way that a lot of the world views cerebral palsy because I think that's the way that it's been presented to us. And just thinking of reading a cover letter with someone, you know, explicitly stating that they have cerebral palsy and just imagining that that person's in a wheelchair, that, you know, they need... Yeah, their own biases. Right. Mm -hmm. So much that comes with that.
1: Which is, yeah, it's definitely problematic. And I think in terms of your question about ongoing challenges, I think for him specifically his main challenge right now is that he belongs to two communities he belongs because his disability is mild mm-hmm. he pertains to the to the to the disabled community but then he because it's mild and mm-hmm. because he's not in a wheelchair mm-hmm. he also doesn't so it's like in terms of belonging yeah you you have one foot in the door and the other foot out of the door, which yeah. is
2: hard. Like he's not
1: disabled way. enough for that community. Exactly, but he's not able
2: enough
3: for this community. That's so frustrating. That's tough,
1: especially like when you think about it, like in the workspace, like because about this cover letter discussion, like we've been uh, we've been talking about it because it's we, I keep like asking him questions. And he was like, Yeah, like what if for example like a role requires like number crunching? Like Anna, you know like my my strong suit, like I'm he's very analytical, he is the most amazing writer, has such a rich vocabulary, but from like a math perspective, because of his vision issues, it, it's true, it's not his it's not his strength. Yeah. And so he was like, Well, if if the analyst position that I'm interviewing for If it requires number crunching, I can't do that. And so I want to be open and I want to set expectations. So then that's also when you realize you're like, okay, yeah, like I've always treated Felipe as, as the way I treat myself and the way I treat anyone. But then you also realize like, okay, he, he is, he does fall into the disabled community, even though I don't treat him like that. Mm. So the, ish- the, the topic of belongingness is super interesting. And on top of that, you can layer like cultural belonging because we pertain to two cultures. Yeah. So on top of that, he's dealing with, he's Spanish, but we spent a lot of time in the U.S. Yeah. So like, I have a lot of issues that I'm working through in terms yeah. of sometimes in the Spanish community, they're like, oh, the American, the American is here, the American yeah. has joined us. Yeah. And then in San Francisco it's like, oh the foreigner, the Spanish yeah. girl. Yeah. Um and I I'm still like that belonging is like I'm reading books about it. There's a really good book called like Third Culture Kid mm-hmm. um about different research across the psychologists that they've done for the past fifty years. Yeah. It's been really interesting. But I think about my brother and I'm like, okay, like he's dealing like belonging is a big challenge not only from an ability sphere, but also yeah. from a cultural sphere. And so there, there's just a lot. There's a lot there to digest um, and to unpack. Do you think that he
0: f- he um, feels more of a sense of belonging towards a specific community?
1: Does he talk about it?
2: <clears throat> I think for him,
1: his entire life, he's str- his, he's tried so hard to be
2: normal. And I don't like using that word um that uh,
1: yeah, the the able yeah, yeah. um, I, I i for him when we talk about disability he's like yeah like it's something i deal with but like it doesn't define me so i think for him he sees it as an extension of himself but he he, he doesn't i he wouldn't be like hi my name is [and i'm disabled so it's it's really interesting and, and, and that could be as a result of how we've treated him at home Um, but I don't think that means he, he doesn't reject the disabled community. Like one of his best friends, um, he, she also has cerebral palsy Mm -hmm. and it's also mild. And I think it's been really amazing that they've met because they share a lot of commonalities that like, he can't share with my youngest brother and me. Yeah. And that's super important too. I'm sure you guys feel like when you meet like another Latinx or like a Dominican, like what happened at work the other day. you automatically feel like you share something in common, and yeah. so I think for him, that's been crucial because you feel understood. Yeah. Even though obviously we're family and we're yeah. close, but it's it's important to be able to have somebody that understands. Yeah, that gets it. I commend your brother because because
0: it seems like he is really aware of who he is and the boundaries yeah. that he is willing to set even just like myself as an abled person going through like the job interview process it makes me really nervous and it makes me really nervous to ask and yeah. to state and to set boundaries and I can imagine that going in um you know as a disabled person or a differently abled person how much more pressure that would mount on you to be able to like ask and, and, pr- and say like these are my boundaries mm-hmm. and I commend him for being able to go into an interview and and being confident about that and understanding like this is where I'm willing to like go with yeah. this and this is what I'm going to need from you. Yeah, I agree.
1: That's true.
0: Shout out to Felipe. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Felipe. You do <laughs> <your thing. laughs> Um. So I want to shift gears a little bit to talk about you. Like what has your experience been like as an ally or an advocate for your brother and how has that approach to your allyship changed over time or has it changed over time
1: um I feel like it has but as I said like I'm still I'm still going through it like it's not like something I can yes I can look at the past and recognize yeah Look, well, I I treated him this way now I'm you know like you're still in this momentum phase and yeah you're experiencing But in terms of allyship, I think my family, my brother, my youngest brother and I, the most important thing is treating, treating someone the way you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. Um, and the pity thing that I mentioned earlier, like, I think that's one of the worst things you can do is feel sorry for someone. Yeah. Especially because they, it it depends. And again, I'm going to make sure I speak about it in terms of my brother. Um, Yeah. But he, he doesn't feel sorry for himself. So if, if you're feeling sorry for him, it's not a good feeling. Like are putting if, a
0: burden on him that he doesn't need.
1: Yeah, and like well, by doing that... You're, you're
0: centering yourself.
1: You're centering yourself and not thinking about him and putting yeah. yourself in his shoes. And I think in terms of over time, because in my family we've stressed treating each other the same and the way you want to be treated... I I forget sometimes what it's like to walk in his shoes. Mm. So like even little things like he takes the Metro to work. I'm like, Oh yeah, he's taking the Metro to work. But when you take a step back and you're like, Whoa, he's like walking to the Metro. He's figuring out what line to take. He like, it's a lot of mental energy that I take for granted sometimes. And so it's a, it's a good to realize and i think it was my dad one time he was like yeah but anna you forget that your brother's disabled i was like what he was like yeah you you don't you forget what you need to remember what it's like for him to go about his Mm day-to-day and i think that was like a really big moment for me um even like his vision he sees the world differently and, and and I, I sometimes forget. Like, I, like right now, like we're looking at Jess. Like, he might not see the w- Jess the way I'm seeing Jess, and like I'll never know. Yeah.
2: But it's a good reminder of that, mm. you know.
0: That is deep. I think you touched on this sort of already. But
2: how can we be better allies to the disabled, differently able community? I think empathy. Empathy is important,
1: um, like I said, like trying trying to put yourself in their shoes, regardless, and again, I think when it comes to the disabled community, there's a lot of different types of disabilities, and I think awareness and learning about different types of disabilities is really important um, to also reduce inherent bias that comes along with it yeah and we're all I mean I'm guilty of this too um and not just like all types of disabilities like autism like there's there's so much that we can learn from down syndrome and I don't think even like when I was in elementary school we didn't talk about ability Mm -hmm. and like this could be something to to make like, is there a way to introduce this into the curriculum? Um, like, why isn't there an emphasis on ability? I can understand, like, maybe if someone in the classroom identified, like, that might make that person uncomfortable. But I think as a society, we need to be better about not only finding your own, oh, sorry, your own awareness and, and and learning about ability, but also like from a structural perspective and a systematic perspective. Is there a way to
2: incorporate that into the system? Yeah. I think the thing that you said that really stuck with me is I think that there's a fine line in understanding
0: That for someone who is differently abled or for someone who is disabled, that their day-to-day may look very different than yours. Yeah. And that for some of the things that like you can do that you take for granted that it may take them a couple of extra steps or a little bit more effort to do it, but it doesn't mean that they're weaker than you. It doesn't mean that you have to feel sorry for them. It doesn't mean that you have to like rush to their aid to like try and like make up for something. Yeah. And I think that we inherently do that because we're like
1: oh my god you're lacking something like let me
0: try and let, make me,
1: take care of let me take care of that yeah. for
2: you
1: and that's that's i mean that was very well summarized it's true and even like just a quick anecdote we were we were at the movies in the popcorn line and felipe accidentally like we were talking he lost his balance for a second and accidentally stepped on a woman's foot that was yeah. behind him i was looking away but I noticed like him say, sorry. So yeah. I was like, I turned around and I was like, what's, what's wrong? Like what happened? He was like, I stepped on someone and like, he got angry with me. And I was like, why are you getting angry with me? Like I, I was just asking like what happened. But I think he, like I, and, and we had a conversation about this because I was really curious. And I was like, you got angry with me, but I didn't even make the assumption that you did something wrong. Yeah. Like I was just, I was just asking like, what happened? Like, why did you, why did you say sorry? Yeah. And he was like, you're right. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, sh- I shouldn't have gotten, like, I shouldn't have gotten angry with you. I think I just got frustrated because I assumed that you knew that I lost my balance and I stepped on someone. Mm-hmm. I was like, no. So that, it, it's really interesting because I think it's also a testament of the assumptions that the able-bodied community makes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I, I try not to do. But again, I think it's, you really have to work on it
3: and yeah. I think it's just getting curious as an adult right mm-hmm. like it would be great for them to add that to the education system mm-hmm. I think that would be awesome there's a lot that that system needs but I think getting curious and just like surrounding yourself around different people in general to truly understand and like have a conversation and not make those assumptions
2: sure. um you know just for learning
3: sure. The terminology people want to be like asking them how they want to be like terminology yeah how do you want to talk about it do you want to talk about it do you even want me to acknowledge it Mm -hmm. you know people might not you know you're speaking in respects to your brother but other people might love talking about it and make it very you know what i mean so it's It's part of
1: yeah it's that communication mm
3: -hmm. and like i i truly believe the only way to truly like learn and be invested is by Surrounding yourself around different people who have different experiences than you.
0: But um, not centering yourself in those communities or those not. conversations. And not doing it to extract of from those not. communities of, like, I'm going to be Felipe's friend so I can learn all about cerebral palsy, right? And, yeah. like, center myself as, like, yeah. I'm, I'm the ally because I'm Felipe's
1: friend and I know
0: about cerebral palsy. But more so, like, truly doing <coughs> it because... You care to be surrounded by different types of people because you appreciate those different perspectives. Yeah. And you want to learn, but you also want to give back in respectful ways.
3: Yeah. And I also think we're referencing back to what our other friend Anna said in our other episode. It's like asking these folks, your friends, your family, like, do you have space? Do you have time for me to ask yeah. these things? I thought that was really powerful what yeah. she said. And I'm like, Man, I would love if somebody asked me if I have space for like questions around like the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. It just like there's some uh, sense of like care in that, you know. I just feel like wow, you actually care like that. Yeah. I actually do or don't have space for this. So, right, I agree with all those things.
1: But do you feel like there's people that that actually do that in terms of people that become that communicate with? a different of someone with someone who's different than you just for the sake of checking a box. hundred
3: percent yes absolutely I know many of them absolutely just to get they're, the like street yeah. cred or yeah. just to say that they're the I have, I have
0: one black I'm not I'm not racist because I have one black friend I am not xenophobic because I have one immigrant friend I am not an ableist because I have one disabled friend right like it's those people so many people use the collateral and then there are some people who I think are genuinely curious but they approach it from the sense of teach me teach me teach me yeah and centering themselves and like but I want to know this and like well well what about me and like I want to figure out how like I can live in your world and like you live in mine and you can just do some research on your own
2: yeah
0: And then again, like ask if someone has space for that, but also like just truly treat people as people and like respect their perspective and be their friend or be around those different communities because you respect them. You respect what they bring to the table. you You respect and you admire like the lives that they live and the experiences
3: that they've had and that you can learn from them, but they can also learn from you.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean it's the same way you want to be like educated on like what's going on in the world, right? You follow all these different news things. Like right. I that was a suggestion that came up in like unconscious bias in my company. And I raised my hand and I was like, or we could just surround ourselves around different people who have different opinions, come from different cultures and all that, and like you learn that way through yeah. their eyes, right? Because yeah. I could read a news article, but it's there's bias in that. There's so 100%. much bias in that and like yeah. so it's the same way you diversify your feed on Instagram mm-hmm. on your social media yeah. um but again coming from like a good place not to have street cred because you have one black friend or whatever but yes yeah. people do that unfortunately yeah. and i think a lot of, there's a lot of people who do it subconsciously i think like they're, not even, they're not even they're not even aware that they're like they don't have a significant relationship with these people this type of person um but they're not aware of why
1: but do yeah. these people do this to make themselves feel better about themselves? I think sometimes. So. Yeah. I
3: think so. I think Yeah. I think people wanna feel like they're liked by all. Or that they're mm-hmm. doing good. Yeah. Like that's their contribution to society. Yeah. But I also
0: think that when you are in like whatever dominant sphere that may be, mm-hmm. I think that um you can look at things from that lens. Right? So like thinking about being um, An abled person, right? Like, I am in that dominant class of people, yeah. right? And so I may be looking at someone who is differently abled or disabled, and I may be looking at them from my lens mm-hmm. of being like an abled person instead of what you're saying, like, what is the day to day like for this person?
2: You know, what are some of the struggles that they face? What yeah. are some of the challenges that they face? So I think it, it just takes some work. It does. I think, yeah, putting yourself in that person's shoes. Yeah,
3: I just like we talked about in another episode, just like I was walking down in the subway in New York, and I got so frustrated because I got out and I'm like, "How does anyone who's differently abled or disabled go up these stairs?" Oh my gosh! There's yeah, no ele- There's no elevators, and I or the elevators and are I'd broken. I get so angry because I'm like, "Wow, this is crazy!" And then I started researching and like all the different things like the car uh the rideshare services and like their rules with that, and like different things that like people have to go through and think about, yeah before stepping out of their house yeah, yeah. so and that we and that
1: I for example, would take for granted, like I studied in New York for four years, I didn't even think about that until now, yeah those you're right like it's not it's not a commun it's not a city that is accessible, mhm- mhm. And especially when you layer on, like, extreme weather.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: And having to lean in on those, like, um, assisted programs was, like, vans and stuff. I, yeah. We used to have, you know, folks who were in wheelchairs in our old building. I remember them waiting for hours for this, and I'm like... Because they can run
2: late. Yeah, yeah, and they,
3: they have no they have no way of changing that. Like, they're yeah. relying on this. Um, or even when we had, like, a fire drill, and you can't take the elevator. It's true. We are one of our neighbors was, like, in a wheelchair, and I just oh, thought, yeah. what is she going to do? Because there's yeah. no ramps. There's no ramps there's in these no apartment ramps. buildings. The older apartment buildings. There's yeah. no ramps, so it's like, it just makes me really sad. Um,
1: well, it also makes you think of, like, the way these cities were planned were not by disabled people. <clears throat> they weren't made around people. No. There were all types of people, yeah like diver- there was no diversity in the people who organized the way that and I I hope that's something that like corporations are actually taking they're like, putting attention towards and hiring diverse workforce because it's true like regardless of the company that you work for whether it's a tech company like you need a diverse workforce to build products for a diverse community yeah and for everyone
3: because not everyone's going to be passionate about the same thing or have the same experiences. And I'll quote Lyft um, for a second because I think what they say is really like powerful. It's like these cities were not built around people. They were built around cars.
2: Mm. That's why there's
3: highways and like awkward things in all these cities. And like there's places where it's hard to get anywhere if you don't have a car. And so take that a step further, you know, for what we're talking about. It's like, yeah. They were not built for people.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: so we need to do better. We need to do better uh, for everyone, not
2: just for the able bodied. Yeah. Uh, or for the majority. Yeah. All right. Anything else? No. I
1: think that's all from me.
2: <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> I really we appreciate you guys.
0: your yeah, perspective. Thank you very much. I hope that the listeners took away a couple of nuggets
3: of information. I learned so much. I did too. I'm just like, my brain is like, whoa. Maybe when
1: he comes, Felipe's probably going to come to visit me in the fall. would
2: love to So meet maybe
1: him. he can, maybe he can, one, meet you ladies. And two,
2: maybe yes, participate.
1: 100%. Because again, I, I, I do want to emphasize that this is, this, everything I shared is from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Yep. In relation to my brother. And just wanted to make that clear those that maybe have different opinions based yeah. on what
3: I shared. We appreciate that our listeners also appreciate that <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did want to leave everybody with
0: um, a little bit of a fun facts and just something for folks to if there's one takeaway um, that you walk away from this with is um, July 26th um, is Disability Independence Day and it's to honor the anniversary of when the American Disabilities Act was passed so there's Anything that you take away from this, maybe mark your calendar, July 26th, look up what the American Disabilities Act is, look up like how that changed the lives of disabled or differently mm-hmm. abled people, and think about how um, you can get involved in making the world a better place for everyone.
3: I that be a reminder for you, at least once a year, to continue yeah. educating yourself. Yeah. Um, that's great. I'm actually going to do that right yeah. now. Do it. You know I'm all about it. You know I'm all about
1: it. Well, thank you, Anna, for joining us.
0: I really
3: appreciate it.
1: I love my sister.
3: (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Yeah, thank you. Till next time. Bye. Peace.